Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We appreciate your presence very much. A couple of years, well, about a year ago, about this time, uh, I was approached by some um, leaders in other churches and asked to speak on relationships at a leadership conference that we had uh, south of Dallas uh, last fall. They specifically wanted me to talk about the relationship between an elder and an evangelist. So many of you know I'm an elder, Matt's an elder here in the church, and Michael um, operates as an evangelist. Those are responsibilities that we have in the, the uh, New Testament church, and they wanted, they said, well, you guys have been working together for a long time, so come and talk to us about that relationship. And so I did that. This morning, I would like to expand that and just talk about relationships in general. What's our relationship in the world? How do we go about those relationships? What's our relationship specifically in the church? And what are obligations and responsibilities that we have to one another as Christians and brothers and sisters that are walking a common life with a common goal to try to get to heaven? And so when I think about relationships, I, I uh, started by my talk in um, South Dallas by saying it's all about relationships, and it really is. It's about our relationship with each other as Christians and brothers and sisters. It's about relationships in the home with marriages and moms and dads and daughters and cousins and aunts and uncles and even in-laws from California. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here this morning. Normally, Amarillo would get the uh, prize of being the furthest travelers, but you've walked into a congregation that has some folks from California this morning. Um, so it's about all those relationships, but it's also about some that are even more important than those. It's about our Christian relationships, and it's about our relationship with our Savior. And so when we talk about relationships, the definition that I used is a way in which two or more people are connected or how they behave toward one another. And so we've got a lot of connections. We talked about that. We've got family connections. We've got church connections. And we've got connections with our Savior. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was, well, why are relationships important? Well, they're important, obviously, because we've got to get along with people. But there's even a bigger reason. And if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, it says, so God created man in his own image. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we physically look like God because God doesn't take physical form except when he came as Jesus. He doesn't look like a human. And I don't look the same as Christy, so it's obviously not, it's, it's not what we look like. That's not what he means by image. It's not like a picture. It means that he endowed us with certain characteristics that he has. So some of the same things that God has, some of the things that make him who he is, he gave to us. One of those characteristics is the fact that we love each other. It says we loved him, we love him because he first loved us. So he gave us as part of this image that he created with us the characteristic of relationships of wanting to have those relationships, of wanting to love one another. And he even says that in Genesis chapter 2 when it says, 
He, he didn't want man to be alone, so he created for man a helpmeet woman to come and be with him and to, so, that, so that he could have a relationship. Because you see, we were designed for relationships. The man was designed for relationship. The woman was designed for relationship. They were designed to have one together because we were created in God's image and God wants relationships. Relationships are a part of who he is. So the most important thing to realize about relationships is we're going to have them. We are going to have them. They're either going to be good relationships or going to be bad relationships. And so, John chapter 15 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. And so, when we think about the ultimate measure of relationship, I always think about this first, and I think about what the Savior did for us. And I think that the, and I know that the reason he did that is because he wants a relationship a personal relationship with his creation. He designed us. He put that characteristic in us in his own image. And then he wanted it so badly that even when we had strayed away, he sent his son so that that relationship could be renewed. And we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end as we close. I wanted to talk about some general principles of relationships, some, some principles we find in the Bible. The first one's found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of a friend. What does that mean? Have you ever, you ever seen the Benihana chefs where they get that knife and they get that steel? Both are made of steel and they're working that thing, but when they get done with a knife, it's razor sharp, and they can start slicing vegetables. And Iron sharpens iron. And it says friends are like that. Good friends are like that. They make each other better. They make each other more uh, focused and designed for what they're designed for. Focus on what they're designed for. As iron sharpens iron, so that iron sharpens that knife so that it can do what it's designed for, and that is to cut up vegetables so good friends help us be better. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What does that mean? It means that if, our, if we're really good friends, we're going to help each other. And sometimes that's going to hurt. Because we're going to be honest with each other. We're going to tell each other the truth to the point that it's a difficult conversation and that it might hurt. But an enemy will just tell us what we want to hear. They'll just kiss us on the cheek like Judas did Christ and say everything's going to be all right. Because they don't care about us. They're not trying to make us better. They'll just go along with whatever is happening, whatever's going along, and we'll all go the wrong direction. First Corinthians, a verse that I'm sure we're all familiar with, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. The Old Testament, say, or the uh, King James Version says, um, bad conversations. So we can um, start hanging around with friends and even relatives sometimes that don't have good morals and that will, that will lead us down. 
We can hang around with Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, and that will help us out. That will sharpen us. That will make us better. The other folks tear us down and take us in the wrong direction. I've done that. I've had friends and spent time with friends that have taken in the wrong direction. Now, you can rationalize it as I did. Hey, I'm just trying to lead them to Christ. But that wasn't the real reason. The real reason was me rationalizing because they were having fun, right? And I wanted to go have fun. So we've got to be real careful. There is a need to lead people to Christ. But we've got to be real careful that that's the right reason and that we're not just in bad company and that bad company helps us ruin our good morals. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Another proverb, another, another truism. We've got to be friendly if we want friends. That's pretty straightforward. But it also says there that a good friend is, sticketh closer than a brother. Do you guys have friends in the church that might be closer than some of, the, some of your family? I know I do. I'm sure some of you do. You've spent more time with those Christian brothers and sisters and you love them and they are sharpening you to make you better. And I've got people in the church that I'm closer to than my own family. Think about Jonathan and David, right? In 1 Samuel chapter 20, David has been anointed king, but King Saul is still king, and King Saul doesn't like the fact that David's been anointed king is going to take over, so he's trying to find David and kill him. Jonathan and David, Jonathan is uh, King Saul's son. They've made a pact. They're friends. And Jonathan is hiding David and helping David against what his dad is trying to do because good friends, they stick closer than family. Good Christian friends can stick closer together than family. So in summary, relationships in general, good relationships make us better, bad relationships make us worse. Some relationships can be stronger than family. The ultimate relationship is one that you would give your life for, and Jesus modeled that relationship for us. So let's turn our attention for a little while towards church relationships or Christian relationships. Because that's where I really want to focus this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11, I use this at my talk at, at the leadership conference because it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. And the point that I was making in that uh, sermon or that teaching is, that the reason these offices or responsibilities or whatever you want to call them, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the reason they exist is for the equipping of the saints and the edifying of the body. And so you might say, well, well, preacher, I'm not a prophet or an apostle, and certainly you're not an apostle, some evangelist, some pastor, I'm, I'm not any of those. And I would tell you that I believe that you can look at that in a bigger picture. It's not just talking about those offices. It's talking about Christians. Our responsibility is to help each other, to lift each other up, to equip each other, and to edify each other. 
And I say that and know that and believe that because it tells us that in other parts of the Bible. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. A lot of us have Hebrews 10.25 memorized. Why? Because, well, we point to it every time somebody says, where's it say in the Bible i got to go to church? And so we've got Hebrews 10.25 memorized. We point to it and says, it says right here you've got to go to church. And while I thir- certainly think that's the inference, I would like for you to notice something else. It says, in the manner, but exhorting one another. Why would we want to go to church? Hopefully, so we lift each other up, we exhort one another, we tell each other, we help each other, we sharpen each other as iron does iron. We're to pray for each other. So as Christians with relationships in 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 1, it says, Therefore I exhort first of all that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We're to pray for each other as Christians. That's part of our Christian relationship. That's what makes us stronger. That's what builds us up. Brother Matt did that this morning. He prayed for our friends and our relatives and our brothers and sisters that we know about, and it doesn't matter where they're at. We prayed for brothers in Nigeria. We we prayed for brothers and sisters today in Tulsa. It doesn't matter because prayer and supplication is powerful. It's our relationship. It's our talking to God. And we're to do that for each other, to help build each other up. Luke chapter 17 tells us, take heed to yourselves. And it goes on to talk about your brother sinning against you and forgiveness. And if he does it seven times and he repents seven times, forgive him. We're going to talk about forgiveness in a minute. But I wanted to make your, call your attention to take heed to yourselves. We're to look out for each other. Take heed for yourselves. And forgive each other and pray for each other. We're to love each other. John 13, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And we said, we saw it very early on the very first slide this morning that we, we love we Jesus because he first loved us. It's, it's about love. It's all about love. And we're not talking about the love that a husband and wife have. We're talking about 1 Corinthians 13 love, a love that, that, that is unbelievable. It never faileth. It never fails. It's kind. It's all, all the list uh, that's there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's the love we're to have for each other. Colossians 13 and 12 says that we're to forgive one another. We're to bear with one another and forgive one another. <clears throat> and... I think we could give a whole sermon on this this verse. And I don't want to do that because I've got other material. But this is the this is the key to a strong congregation. Looking at each other, living with each other, forbearing one another, understanding each other and forgiving one another. I've seen churches that have split because they were unable to do this. Somebody offended somebody else and it split the church right down the middle and they went to two different buildings to worship. We've got to forbear one another. We've got to love each other enough to look, fat, pl- look 
past our human frailties and our human um, mistakes. Just think about what would have happened had Christ not been able to do that. As he's beaten and tortured and lied to about and spat upon and nailed to a cross. Just think if he hadn't been able to forbear and forgive. We, we, we wouldn't have what we have today. We wouldn't have a church today. We wouldn't have relationships with each other. We wouldn't have forgiveness of sins. We wouldn't have an opportunity and a hope for heaven one day. We have all of that because he was willing to do that for us. We have to be willing to do that for other people. We have to look, be able to look back. The Bible tells us here is when we come to worship that if we've got something um, amiss with a brother, it says leave your gift at the altar and go and fix that problem. It says look back. Look behind you about your relationships. Do you have any that need to be fixed? It says get busy fixing them. Get busy now fixing them. Don't let any time waste. Don't waste a moment. Go fix those relationships that you have that are broken behind you. It says to be proactive. It says to look ahead. So whatever you wish that others would do to you in the future, do also to them for this is the law of the prophets. If I want Ken to treat me nice in the future, I've got to treat Ken nice now. And I do want you to treat me. Okay, good. Um, so we've got, to, we've got to look forward. It also says that we've got to be reactive. So we've got to be in the moment, if possible. If it de- if, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men right now in the moment Make it possible. This is a pretty cool thing. So as we think about enemies and we think about people that are out there that, that we have bad relationships with, kindness disrupts that. It, it completely disrupts it. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It says that what takes away evil, what disrupts evil, what hurts evil is good. And we have an opportunity in our relationships to use that principle to strengthen in our relationships and to be focused on one another. Now, the kindness has to be real for it to work. If it's sarcastic, if it's not meant, and they can see through that, then it's just going to fuel the fire. The kindness has to be real. <clears throat> it also is modeled in the gospel. Obviously, we've talked about Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse number 9 says, Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Think about that for a moment. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Jesus showed kindness to His enemies. We talked about that. And He disrupted evil on this earth. Signs of a healthy relationship, love. John chapter 13, we've talked about this one already. By this one, all people will know my disciples if you love one another. It's marked by humility. In 1 Peter 5, it says, Likewise, you who are, you, you who are younger, be subject to the elder. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble relationships there's got to be humility Romans chapter 12 says for the for by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think got to be humble for relationships to be strong they're marked by service according to Mark chapter 10 for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And we know Jesus exemplified that that night before his death, after they'd had after they'd had dinner, he says the Bible says he girded himself and he got water and he washed the feet of his disciples. He showed them what service was about. Good relationships have acceptance built into them, and just as the just as God has accepted us as the, as His beloved, we have to accept. The, the ones that we want to have a good relationship. Romans 12 says, Be kindly affectioned one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. We've, we've got to enjoy one another and give... And, and just, think about, just think about Jesus. We've been watching The Chosen on Wednesday night. And I think it was Carrie, either this last week or the week before, that said what, what the, the, the actor that was playing Jesus, just the compassion in his face sometimes. As he is talking to the woman that had issues with blood for 12 years in this last episode, and he's just looking down at her, and, and he's almost like, he's like almost tearing up, and he, he just, in his face, it just looks like he loves her so much because she had that faith in him. The same thing when he heals the, 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 the leper at the, at the well and, or at the pool. And um, he, he, just, he just, the suffering, it just looks like it drains him as our Savior. We're to have that same type of affection for, for folks, for our friends and for our relationships in Christ. It's hard work, but it's worth it. Ecclesiastes talks about the fact that two that work together are stronger. They make each other strong. And it says, woe to the one that's by himself. If he falls down, he can't get up. There's nobody to help him. The last principle I'd like to talk to you about when it comes to relationships is they take time. 
In John chapter 16, it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths, for he will, he will not speak of his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So Jesus had spent three solid years with these disciples, his apostles. Three solid years. Again, we've been watching the chosen. We see what that looks like. They're building camp together. They're walking together. They're, they're in town together. They're healing people together. He sends them out to go heal on, the, on, on their own. They come back. He's teaching them for three years. And even after three years, he said, there's so much more to building this relationship, but you can't bear it. And he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and it's going to help you. It's going to guide you. It's going to tell you what to say. But it's not going to tell you what it wants to tell you. It's going to tell you what I want to tell you so that you can fulfill this mission. Three, how much time do we put into our relationships at the church and with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Now, I, I, I know we're not following Jesus, and he's not headed to the cross, but... Every day and night for three solid years, Jesus spent building the relationships with his apostles. How much time are we putting into our relationships with each other? Just a little bit of a moment of reflection as we look into the clock faces there and think about our own efforts. You know, we can come to church with a with a bucket and, and hope the church is filling it up every Sunday, or we can come to church with a full bucket and start filling up everybody else's, right? I think Michael's used that analogy before, right? It's, it, it, it's about coming and, and, and giving and building each other up. Ephesians chapter 4 says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by by what every joint supplies according to the effective workings by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So when we're working together, when I'm doing what I can do and Kent's doing what he can do and Michael's doing what he can do and Matt's doing what he can do and Ryan is doing what he can do. I lost a contact today, so I can't see if the other, the other Ryan's not with us. So there's only one Ryan here today. Ryan's doing what he can do. If we're all knitly framed together, put together like the pieces of the puzzle, and we're doing what we can do. We're not in competition, but we're in collaboration, and we're working towards this goal. That's when things really take off. So in summary this morning, we are a team, um, and we've got to be committed to each other. We have a Christian duty to spend time together, to watch out for each other, to pray, to forgive, to love to know that relationships take time and effort to develop and it's all worth it. How am I doing on time? I'm right on time, Christy. Some other characteristics. We've got to trust. We've got to be uh, humble. Um, so I wanted to circle back to the... Not to the guy drawing on the board. He just happens to be at the end. I wanted to circle back to the relationship with our Savior. The Bible tells us that 
His yoke is easy and His burden is light. It says, come unto Him, all of us that are weak and are heavy laden, and He will give us rest. It says His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And we will find rest unto our soul. He wants a relationship with us that's deeply personal. Otherwise, He would not have given His life for us. So along with reflecting on your relationships in the world and along with reflecting on your relationships with each other in the church, we definitely want to spend some time reflecting on our relationship with our Savior. Where is that? Have we put the effort and the energy, the three years day and night that he put into his apostles, have we put, what energy are we putting into our relationship with our Lord that died for us? He's done his part. He's reaching out. He's reaching out from the cross. He has died. He's reaching out now from heaven. He has done his part. Are we doing our part to work on our relationship with him? That's the thought I'd like to leave with us. I'd like for this to be an uplifting sermon because if we do those things, the reward is unbelievable. It's unimaginable. The picture of the throne room in Revelations chapter 4 and Daniel chapter 6, it's mind-blowing what heaven is going to look like. If we will just focus on the things that we need to focus on and help each other with our relationships to get there. Hope something I've said this morning has caused you to think that was the that was the hope. Hope something this morning has caused you to take some reflective looks into your life and into your relationships and into the church and what what's what we're given and what we're taking and how we need to help each other. If you need any help from the church this morning, we stand ready to assist if you'd come and sit on the front benches or front chairs as we stand and sing.